This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. And welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and unfortunately, my, my co-host Bob isn't available today, but we are joined by Tobin Williams, who is the Executive Director of Customer Experience at Consumers Energy. Uh, Tobin, thanks for joining us on the show today. Tom, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I have to start. Uh, and, and you and I had this discussion the first time we met. I have to start with, you know, you're, you're a utility company that largely has a monopoly over your territory. Why even bother worrying about the customer experience and having a dedicated customer experience function? So, great question and uh, not an uncommon one, uh, Tom, at all. There's, there's a lot of different reasons for investing in customer experience, but for consumers energy, it really comes down to a business imperative. Um, as part of our clean energy plan, we're making a very deliberate choice to withhold investing in new power plant investments. So over the next 10 years, we're really building a virtual power plant through uh, programmable thermostats and through engagement with our customers so that in those hot summer days where our, our energy peaks are really in demand, rather than firing up a, an additional power plant, our goal is to reach out to our customers and work with them to, uh, to reduce use during those, pre, those peak times uh, and even uh, pre-cool uh, their homes before those anticipated peak times uh, so that they can uh, enjoy those savings. Uh, and and get through those those periods that uh, have peak use that we would typically be using less efficient efficient sources of energy uh, without uh, interrupting their comfort. So creating a good customer experience where customers frankly trust us uh, and are willing to engage in us beyond uh, just the delivery of their energy is a critical part of our strategy. So what are some other initiatives you're working around towards that goal? Yeah, so um, if, in fact, right now, uh, not to put this plug in right off the bat, but um, we're in a first ever uh, national um, uh, thermostat giveaway to this scale. So right now we're giving away 100,000 Nest thermostats to our gas and electric customers across the state of Michigan. And uh, consumersenergy.com slash free thermostat, mm-hmm. uh, people can get a free Nest thermostat and uh, um, and join the cause. I'm going to sign up for that. I, I have been getting your reminders. I haven't done it yet. And as a consumer's uh, energy customer, I, yeah, I, I really want to congratulate you. I, I, I find that you guys engage on so many levels, whether it's, it's getting, getting rid of um, appliances um, that aren't energy efficient. I, I replaced my refrigerator that way. 
um, I think it was a week or two ago, we had a thunder, we had a fairly large storm in the area and the power went out. And I was really surprised to find there was a text message on my phone acknowledging that Consumers Energy was aware of it and that, that um, gave me a projected time it would be resolved. And uh, I went to bed that night with the power off. And when I woke up the next morning, not only was the power back on, um, but I had a text message telling me the issue had been resolved and what the problem was. So kudos to you um, because, you know, it's little things like that, that, that helped me help earn the trust of, of, of customers. So I'm a, I'm a big consumers energy uh, advocate and, um, and I'm, and I'm really excited that you guys have taken this on and taken it so seriously. Um, so since the theme of today's show is around careers in CX, can you talk, tell us a little bit about what your role as executive director of customer experience is and, and, and how you worked yourself into that role? Sure. Um, well, I've been with uh, Consumers Energy for eight years, and I am a, a Spartan, proud Spartan alum, um, all marketing uh, background, but I uh, was able to join the company about eight years ago as our uh, real customer um, focus got off the ground. So. Uh, it's been it's been a great uh, a great time, and we've been slowly building our customer experience uh, over our department and, and initiatives over that past eight years. So it really started out with a identification of our digital uh, platforms that needed to go through a significant transformation uh, if we were going to meet customers in the channels that they want to be served in, and to be able to provide the information and. Uh, um, the types of interactions that they want to self-serve. So right out of the gate, uh, I was involved for a couple of years in um, really an end-to-end transformation of all of our digital plat- platforms, including the types of alerts that you're speaking to for our outage experience, um, website, uh, um, and uh, all these kind of associated platforms that, that go with that. So that's what really got us off the ground with a, a very good, uh, transformation in a key area, and it built from there. Um, so over the uh, few past years, we've built out um, really an experienced design team uh, that has been been growing and kind of expanding their influence in the company. Um, and I'm really excited to say that our culture uh, and our leadership uh, from the top has really been a part of our success and a, a key factor in our in the level of influence we've been able to make for our customers. So what kind of decisions in your role, what kind of, what does a typical day look like to you? What things are you involved in? What kind of decisions do you have to make? Um, where do you see your leadership influence playing a role? Yeah. So um, that's, uh, my, my days are, are always different. Um, I'm involved in uh, culture and employee engagement type uh, strategies and activities to make sure that um, just the, the DNA of the company and the experience that our employees are feeling uh, is, is where we need it to be uh, so that our employees, frankly, can deliver the experience that we want them to for our customers. Um, I'm involved in prioritization of, in business cases for um, projects and investments, um, involved in our voice of customer. We have a very... Um, a uh, strong cadence of operating reviews every day. So um, about the only thing that's consistent in my day is that 
Uh, at 8.15 every morning, uh, my entire team is on the phone for 30 minutes talking about what our customer experience, uh, voice of customer is telling us across our different channels to identify early if there's anything that needs attention that day. Um, and then uh, obviously putting together just kind of a, an overview over the week or the day of, of where the team might be needing some help. So a good part of my time is really um, serving my team, uh, identifying what they need to help break down barriers or uh, decide on priorities or maybe to influence uh, um, a particular uh, um, team that we're trying to work with or learn from another group on what their their ideas or concerns might be. So we really extend ourselves throughout uh, every area of the company operationally, uh, our service channels. Um, it's, there's really no arena of the company that we don't get involved in. Well, there's a couple of things there that stand out, out to me. One is looking at, at your voice of the customer data on a daily basis. Why, why do you feel doing that on a daily basis and reviewing it with your team is necessary? Well, it used to be uh, not too long ago, unfortunately, where we didn't really know that something was wrong until enough phone calls came in or a formal complaint came in to our CEO or something of that nature that we knew there was a problem. Uh, so by really having a tight pulse at these listening posts throughout the company and throughout channels, we know very quickly whether or not we've got a day that's running smoothly and that our customer standard, experience standards are being delivered upon or whether we've got something going on that might be cause for uh, concern, something's not working right. And so that's just a key part of what we do day in and day out. And that, um, I'm really proud to say that that uh, feedback goes all the way up to our CEO every day to know whether we're red, yellow, or green and where our focus might need to be so that wherever, if there is an issue or uh, when there is an issue, that um, no matter what type of resources is needed to get that addressed as quickly as possible, uh, it's got the level of visibility to, to address it. So, so what are the different listening posts? You mentioned having multiple listening posts. What, what, can you give us some examples of what those are? Sure. So um, really all of our customer contact channels uh, are very in tune with having specific types of feedback mechanisms in place. So for example, our digital channel, we have um, both uh, kind of push surveys that capture a CXI score. Uh, and then customers can always go in and, and say, hey, I want to give feedback on any page of our site. And so that gets captured and uh, goes through an automated system that publishes in a Tableau report that we have immediate visibility in that tells us um, you know, what our digital feedback is. Uh, we can isolate, actually we can isolate, let's say you're paying your bill. Um, I can get a, a experience score that's uh, at a level of people who are paying their bill and I can actually break that down and see that, hey, customers who are paying their bill by credit card today are having a problem versus somebody who is paying through a bank or an auto pay or something of that nature. So um, we've really matured to a point of having quite a bit of uh, really granular feedback that can help us zero in on where things might need attention uh, and making sure that no matter what user flow a customer is going through that is performing up to that standard we want. Uh, very similarly, our, obviously our social media is a pretty natural place to be picking up on customer sentiment and feedback that might be happening, uh, whether it's in response to a post that we've put out or something that's happening you know, somewhere in the state of Michigan. Um, our call center is critically important. Our, our CSRs are 
um, really a lifeblood. They're talking to customers, obviously, um, one-on-one. They're learning and listening what's going on, and then those they those uh, calls get followed up with a a survey asking, hey, how did how was your experience? Not only from you know, interacting with the particular agent, but were we able to meet your needs? Was it easy? And how did you feel about that interaction at the end of it? So um, all of those channels, and, and also our uh, our IVR, um, our voice uh, response, if somebody wants to just do something through their phone, there's a survey mechanism there. So all of those uh, have channels, they get the information might be captured a little bit differently, but it all comes back to one one dashboard so that we've got a an immediate view into how things are going at any given time. So you mentioned you mentioned a a green, yellow, or red day. What what makes it what makes it a well I'm thinking natural disasters, but what makes what makes it a red day? Sure. So all of our if you just use CXI as a customer experience metric, we have a CXI target um, for the company that goes all that's carried by our CEO. Uh, and then each of the experiences that roll up into that target are carried by different parts of the organization that are on the front line of delivering that. And every one of those components of that CXI target have are, have a goal, a numeric goal attached to them. So um, if we're above that goal, we're running green, and that tells us that our the experience, as we have intentionally designed it, is actually being delivered in the way we want it to. If that is dancing uh, along the goal or falling below, it triggers to to a red status. Typically, yellow is only used if we have something that's a known issue that um, we may feel like is not going to trend in the direction we want it to, or it's something that is at risk of not uh, staying above target that's, that we want to have heightened attention on. But typically, it's green or red. Okay, good. No, red, red's not good, though, right? Red is great. Oh, really? Uh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought red was... <laughs> Red is obviously not performing where we want it to be, but it is a critical part of our culture and our operating structure that we embrace red. When we see something not operating as, it, as we want it to, that gets out of visibility and it's a call to arms to get the resources we need to address it. So um, red is encouraged, red is embraced, and red is an opportunity to, to learn and to make things better. And so I mentioned yellow is an area where things are a little gray, for lack of a better word. So it's, okay, where's this coming from? Let's figure it out. Let's solve it. Where, where red is maybe, it's more visible. It's a natural disaster or something. And, hey, let's jump on it. This is what we do well. Yep, red gets the focus. Well, what was really interesting for me is when I, when I, um, I think it was through that text message that I got that I was able to open up a map that identified all the outages around the state and that was fascinating and because there were a total number of outages and then it showed the specific location where it was and what kind of struck me at that time was the ability of your organization to address all those issues at one time and that that's amazing that's really amazing the outage experience is one that's gotten a lot of attention. Um, I mean, what we know is that our customers want to know what we know when we know it. So it's all about transparency. So whether it's the map you mentioned uh, or the communications that are going out, um, we, we are striving to be as transparent as we can about what the situation is, uh, how we're responding to it, and what customers can expect as a result. And, we don't have that down to a perfect science yet, but every time that we have an outage is an opportunity to learn and to continue to refine our processes and our communications. 
Um, and one of the things that, you know, just from a customer experience perspective, one of the things that, that has really struck us during this learning is you take a major storm um, and somebody who's, who's lost power for a particular amount of time, if they recall communication from us during that outage, their CXI might be on a scale of a minus 100 to 100, let's call it a 30. Um, if they recall a, a point of communication with us, say, during the storm and after the storm, saying, hey, your power's back on, that CXI, as, a, as an average, if you will, goes up to, say, a 40 or a 50. But if a customer recalled that communication, like you did, glad you had a good experience, that, hey, we know there's weather coming, and that there's a risk, and here's what we're doing to prepare. Mm. An acknowledgement that we know your power is out, and here's when we believe we're going to be able to get it restored. And then a follow-up that says, hey, we believe your power is back on. Please respond to this text and let us know if that's not the case. If a customer goes through that experience with all those touch points, we can actually get a world-class customer experience score in the mid to high 70s from a customer mm. at a time that we're actually not delivering our service. Wow. Wow. So that can be, those communication points are just critically important. That's cool. Thank, thanks for sharing all that. Um, the, the other thing that kind of st stuck out to me, you don't always hear this from CX people, um, but your involvement in employee engagement across the, the organization. So what, what role does the CX team have in, in, in employee engagement? And what, what are your goals as far as employee engagement is concerned? Yeah, so employee engagement as a company, as a culture, is just critically important to us. Um, uh, in fact, you know, early in my career, I, my thinking on this was shaped very early. I was with a marketing company uh, called Carlson Marketing Group, and it was really ingrained that the saying that we had or the philosophy was employees first, customers second, which might seem counterintuitive. Uh, however, um, there really is a ceiling. If you're working for an organization that is not investing in its employees and not delivering on a strong employee experience, it's really tough to expect those employees to deliver a good customer experience. So a focus on our employees and what their needs are, whether it's um, work-life flexibility, whether it is the tools they need to do their job, the information to do their job, the empowerment to make decisions, that all comes into play and creates that passion and energy that makes them want to solve our customers' issues and to be engaged to drive that deeper customer engagement. So employee engagement is critically important. Um, I work organizationally with our people and culture teams. Uh, I work very closely with, with uh, our organization that I'm in uh, to help uh, invest in uh, those types of items that are, um, you know, that perhaps we're not performing as well as we want to. Uh, and so it's, it is a critically important part of, of customer experience to make sure that our employee experience and our employee culture is growing. And our, our culture, we're lucky. There's no doubt that our culture at Consumers Energy is incredibly strong. We've, um, you know, proud that we've been rated recently as the best place to work in Michigan. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a, just an incredibly strong culture and company but uh, we know we can do more. So that continuous improvement and investment in our employees just is something we can't take our eye off of. Well, I'm glad you feel that way and you guys are doing what you do. That, that's, that's inspirational, very inspiring. Um, so can you tell us a little bit, obviously you don't do this all on your own. Can you tell me about, about the different members on your team and what their role is? 
Yeah, I, I have to uh, share. I am, I am certainly not the smartest person on, on our team. I am uh, blessed to have uh, an incredibly skilled and passionate uh, team of folks that we've assembled. Um, uh, started out with a team of one uh, back in uh, back in the day, back in 2013, 2014, and this practice has just continued to evolve, and we've reinvented ourselves pretty much every year. Um, we we pick a new area to really embed ourselves in and learn and grow, and then reinvent ourselves uh, after we feel like we've we've got our feet under us. So it's a constant state of deliberately throwing ourselves off balance and pushing ourselves to grow. Um, I have three areas or three, I guess, distinct skill sets that fall within um, my, my area of experience design. Um, the first is our experience managers. And they this is the team that's been with me the longest. Um, and the experience managers really come out of a philosophy of giving someone ownership of an end-to-end -end journey within the company, an end-to-end -end customer experience, and equipping them with the skill sets and the tool sets that they need, such as good experience design practices, design thinking, journey mapping, empathy interviews, really building this expertise so that they can own um, what that space looks like from end to end in partnership with all the different functional areas that deliver on that experience or influence that experience across the company. So our experience managers are really looking out 12 months and beyond of where we want to be. They really own our aspirational vision of what our experiences need to look like, and they have created multi-year roadmaps of both transformational and continuous improvement efforts that will get us where we want to be. Um, so we have experience managers for, uh, for the outage experience. We have an experience manager for our billing and payments experience. We have an experience manager for field interactions. So a lot of the traditional type of utility um, interactions that you might expect. Uh, we also have experience managers that are starting to extend into that, um, that discretionary services, products and services that we're looking to get our customers to, um, to understand and engage with us on. So things like the thermostats and the energy choices to in, in, um, get involved or engage in our, our energy savings programs and things of that nature. Um, so our experience managers are really the transformational thinkers and the ones that are looking at 12 months and beyond where we want to be. The second group are what I call product owners. Uh, product owners are the ones that are really the stewards of our current state products and the services and how they're performing. They're the ones that have got their pulse on the CXI every day and making sure that things are working as they as we want them to. And they're looking also, they own um, a little bit more near term. Our experience managers are 12 months and out. These folks are looking in the near term 12 months at what do we need to do to continuously improve and make our products and services grow. So you might have, say, a billing product owner that is responsible for our billing products and a big part of that is paperless billing, our electronic bill. How are we making sure that that bill is meeting customer needs and getting more and more customers to adopt paperless billing for both cost savings and for uh, better customer experience? Because we find that those who are on our electronic billing ultimately are having um, a better experience overall by getting that bill delivered uh, uh, in a way that they can interact with it and and uh, leap into other types of um, experiences online that we might be able to offer. So um, those product owners are really a key role. So you can imagine in any organization where you might have 
uh, four or five functional teams that are responsible for a piece of a product or service, but no one's really the steward of a strategy or the collective goal of where that's headed. Our product owner brings that, um, that kind of ownership or stewardship in concert with all those players that are the experts that feed into making that product what it is. And then our third area is our operational communications team. Um, this is the newest arena of, of, of uh, uh, experience design. Um, and our operation communications team is, again, they're owners of a current standard, uh, but around different communications. So for example, um, do an incredible amount of work on infrastructure upgrades and reliability investments and things like that. Uh, and these are very disruptive by nature, tearing up streets and sidewalks and properties uh, uh, to bring, uh, whether it's pipes or, or poles and wires, um, into a particular area that might be disrupting a business. And so we've developed standards for how we are working with our business customers to let them know what's coming, when it's coming, how can we coordinate so that that disruption to their business is, is kept to a minimum, coordinating with the city. And obviously those types of projects due to their scale often have a lot of changes that come with them. So how are we anticipating and communicating all through that life cycle of a major project so the customers know what to expect? So we have a communications team that really has created a standard for what a good project like that looks like and are actually hands-on and working with our field organization to make sure that those are executed the way we want them to, but also listening and learning to make that process better. Uh, so we've got three or four major experience areas within our operational communications group where we're developing that communication acumen uh, so that we're, we're not just barging into a neighborhood and, and being insensitive to the impact that we're having. Very long answer to your question. Sorry no, about that. Time. Man, it's fascinating. <laughs> it, 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 no, it, it's really, it's really fascinating, and it's, it's so interesting how you've, you've structured, you've structured all this not, not only with an eye towards the future and design, but maintaining the brand and, and, and the communication piece. Very, very insightful. So I can honestly say now that it, it would be really exciting to work for a utility given the work that you guys are doing uh, we're it, having a time it's an yeah, exciting time it, it, i'm sure if you if if you're asking most most people in the marketing realm or customer experience realm um if they'd like to work for a utility that wouldn't be on the top of their list but after hearing what you've described the way you guys approach it the organizational culture and how you manage it it's exciting and it, obviously, you guys are going to continue to grow and, and expand in that area. Well, thanks, thanks so much for, for sharing um, all that today on, on the show. We really appreciate having you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, listeners, uh, that, that was um, the, the third in a series of interviews that we're doing on careers in, in CX. We look forward to seeing you during our next episode. Thanks for checking in. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.